Hello, and welcome to the next episode of the Salty Sisters. Yeah, welcome. I'm Sage. And I'm Mackenzie, and we're your hosts for today. Today we're talking about money, honey. Money, honey. So we are going to dive into our experiences in becoming financially independent as women. Yeah, we're going to open our wallets and invite you into our financial situations because gatekeeping financial freedom is really not the vibe it's not the vibe and we're not into it no so (laughs) we're gonna also preface this by saying we are not financial advisors everything we say is our own opinion and we're not telling you what to do we're just sharing our story with you well sage has some really interesting factoids she would like to share yeah so before we get started i just want to say it's been super cool just all of the people tuning in, listening to our show, and also giving us um, just feedback about what they thought. And it's just really, really awesome and inspiring to us. And we're just super grateful to uh, be building a community with you all. So yeah, it's women, been really men, fun. non-binary, whatever, like we're so stoked you're here and we're just, um, we're so honored that you would give us your ear. So thank you. Yeah, thanks so much, you guys. It's been really fun to connect with everybody and you know, chat. Um, before we, we start, Sage has a couple of factoids she'd like to share. <laughs> I have to cough. I'm still finding this cold. <laughs> Please excuse her as she dies on the other end. All right. Great. So money is not equal for men and women. And that is definitely something that I think both Mackenzie and I um, have felt our whole lives and we really shared in our 20s into our 30s. I do, I'm, I'm definitely a fact person. I love facts. So I'm going to add this link in the bottom of the show notes so that you too can click it and browse on the internet. This happens to be uh, Clever Girl Finance and they have some really good facts just giving you a little insight into what it's like to be a woman and handle money. To begin, women actually earn 82 cents for every $1 earned by uh, a man. In the United States. In the United States, yeah. And it just gets less and less, you know, if you are a person of color. Yeah, it can be as low as 55 cents per dollar. And 30% of single mothers live below the poverty line compared to 17% of single fathers. Again, here in the United States. And it wasn't until 1974 that a woman could open her own bank account in the United States or have a credit card or uh, get a mortgage in her name without the signature of a man. Um, So that changed just in 1974. Women hold nearly two-thirds of all student loan debt in the United States, even though they only make up 56% of all enrolled students. There's lots more on this website. It just kind of gets worse. Um, Put that in your pipe and smoke on it for a minute. (laughs) Lord knows you need to after some of those facts. (laughs) No kidding. It's depressing. It really is. So that is is just, this episode is not entirely just about women and money, but um, that is a reality, especially as we are both American women, we're both American white women. um, That is a reality is we... Just because of our gender, we automatically make less than a man. We do. 
in the world, there are two types of people usually. Uh, you can split financial mindset based on if you're a saver or if you're a spender is kind of the two financial mindsets that people tend to fall into naturally because of our upbringing and our environment. Sage and I, when we were young women, were, oh, we're still young women, but you know, <laughs> younger women, juveniles, uh, we fell really into the spender category. And I think it's safe to say both Sage and I were firmly in that category until we were maybe a little bit older and we had pretty firm partnerships that helped us kind of uh, on the path to not being a spender and being a saver. And that really has helped us pay off our debt over the years. Yeah. I think growing up, we knew how to make money, right? Like we always worked really hard, but there wasn't a lot of talk about how to save said money or what you do with that money. You know, we didn't really have an idea of even like what credit was or what debt meant. (laughs) It was just kind of like, you just kind of figure it out as you go. You know, if you're going to go to college, you're just going to have to figure it out. So we thought chronologically it would make more sense if Sage shared first about how she got her financial life under control before I dove into mine because Sage's journey actually inspired my own. So we're going to go ahead and start with Sage's financial journey. Hopefully these aren't an hour long podcast. We're so sorry, you guys. That was very long last time, but (laughs) (laughs) whatever. You all loved it. Yeah. So I was definitely a spender by nature. Um, I really, I, I always kind of just had an attitude of just no worries when it came to money. And um, that just really did not serve me very well. Uh, When I was 18, I was headed to college finally in Durango and I didn't have a car you know I kind of was talking to my dad saying I think I wanted to get a truck and he ended up taking me down to Denver and this is just like the nature of you know my father and I's kind of relationship is he just he saw this at the time brand new Toyota Tacoma sitting on a the Stevenson lot and he's just like you should just buy this and I was like yeah no worries that's a great idea. It was a $33,000 truck. I had no credit. I had no credit cards. Um, I'm 18. I had probably like $800 in my bank account, but I don't know because I never checked my balance. So um, my dad co-signed on the loan for me and it was a 13% interest rate. Oh my God. (laughs) When I was 18, (laughs) headed to college, brand new truck, like like, seriously, maybe like 80 miles on it. Um, and I really like thought I was hot shit and like, you know, my payment was like $500 a month. And then I ended up living off campus. Right. So then my like rent was $500 a month and then food and then tuition, really insane financial decision. I just, I worked my ass off all the time, just trying to like basically make sure I had no money. (laughs) Yeah. So that's, um, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say also um, in the United States, I'm not exactly sure in other parts of the world because my car was registered for me here. But, you know, to register a new vehicle in the United States, a brand new vehicle is very, very expensive. And then your insurance is higher on a new vehicle. And yeah, it's just like a really stupid purchase. Um, It was insane. Like cute truck though I mean really it was all black it was gorgeous 
It was, but I like I had no money. <laughs> it was all in that truck. So that was kind of like my first ever experience with debt. You know, at one point I had to go to my grandparents and ask for like help for a semester because I couldn't keep making the payments and rent and food. Like it was just it was a lot for me at that age. And so I was so bad with my money <laughs> that first of all, like I would not check my bank account. Like I said, I just like it gave me anxiety when I would look at it. So I just stopped doing that. And I would just write <laughs> rent and like rent checks, like full on just write them out and hope they would cash. At the time when Taylor and I started dating, I was still like so bad with money that I had in my truck, the center console, right? Like in the truck, there's like a middle console to it. And if you were to open that up, it would just be, it wasn't even like organized. It was just like a pile of like scrunched up like ones and fives and tens and twenties. And you would have to like dig through to like (laughs) find whatever the hell you were looking for in there. But I would just, like, I would get cash tips at work, and I would just throw them in my console and then just, like, on with my life. Um, so I never deposited them. And I still remember Taylor, by the way, is, like, a super OCD saver. Um, he came from a very, very, like, frugal mindset home, uh, which, in you know, to me is actually, like, very beautiful. But I remember the first time he ever opened that console – and I tried to, like, slam it closed before he could, like, <laughs> see what was in there. And he was just like, what is this? And I was like, oh, don't worry about it. Like, that's just where I keep stuff. And I got out of my truck, and I, I don't know what I was doing, something. And then I came back, and Taylor had just been sitting in the passenger seat. And I, like, opened the console, and he had organized every single bill and, like, straightened it out. And he's like, yeah, I just I decided to just, like, take care of that. Is that okay? And, like... I think we found like a paycheck I never cashed in the bottom. Like, oh my god, Sage. <laughs> that was me and money. It was real bad. Do you know I think you might get that from mom? The whole like just chuck it in a container and like hope it works out for you. Like love our mom. She has loose shit all over her purse. <laughs> like you could reach in and find God only knows what. Pills that are like kind of damp and there's like lint stuck to them. But... <laughs> They're still good, so you take it. Might be ibuprofen, so you take it. (laughs) I don't know where that urge came from, but it's... I did it for, like, seven or eight years. That's how I lived my life. I'm surprised you made it. Yeah, and honestly, like, the funny thing is, is once Taylor finally convinced me to start checking my bank account more, I realized, like, oh, I actually, like, had some money, and, like, you know, it was going to be, like, okay. So um, he helped me through that, and, like... Um, that was huge for me. Like, he really guided me in that way and, like, gave me encouragement to get my financials together a little bit more. Just pay attention a little bit, you know? No big deal. So, yeah. Look, look um, at your bank statement, maybe. If you so choose. <laughs> Don't get crazy, though. So my turning point with money was, and we ended up taking out pretty much, like, $70,000 uh, line of credit. His parents helped us get that. Um And because, again, I had no credit. So my credit score, like, after I paid off the truck. Okay, sidebar. You know, or maybe you don't, but you will after I share this. Yeah, I will say, though, I've learned since moving to Australia that credit is actually a a United States-specific financial issue. Um, They don't have it here. They don't do the same things we do. So 
So for those who aren't from the United States, as we have a global, a global listening base, um, you are measured against your credit score in the U.S. if you want to buy a house, buy a car, take out a loan for a business, et cetera. They look at your credit score, which is based off you borrowing money from somebody and paying them back in a timely and effective manner. You get, you get points, basically. Uh, it takes years to build good credit and seconds to destroy it. <laughs> yeah. So, like, when we took out the business loan, for example, the credit – the line of credit was in my husband's name. And so when we finally decided to try to um, get pre-approved for a mortgage to, we were thinking about buying a house. This was like in 2000 and I don't know, 15, his credit score came back. Awesome. And mine just came back. Seriously. Like it was in slash a, like in a, it wasn't available. So, um, and they were like, Oh, we, we will never, you know, give you a, a We'll never loan to you because you have an NA score. I was like, that's not good. Like, what is that? So I hate, I hate credit and like all of it. So when we took out the loan, right, we're working our asses off and we are basically living on tips. And any money we did make at that point in the business for like the first good two to three years, most of it was just being written right back to the bank. Right. And that's like a really disheartening feeling when you're just like cool I put in like a 65 hour week and I got $11 an hour kind of you know Um, yeah that really crushed me and then I also realized like man if I ever move somewhere if something like if a crazy opportunity came up and I wanted to just move across the world like McKinsey you know or do something crazy or even if this business doesn't make it we're just we're sunk right like we have sixty seventy thousand dollars just looming over us and you just see the the bill every month and it's just like it just really crushes you um and so it was at that moment that taylor and i looked at each other and i was just like we need to figure out how to manage our money because we were always just sitting there like well what do we pay ourselves what do we like pay off from this debt and like you know how do we build a business um And we were, you know, we were just like 25 and that can be really hard. So we, and also just because we had a spender and a saver married and they owned a business together and it was just kind of like a hot mess. So we took the Dave Ramsey class and that taught us how to budget. We would take our whole paycheck and just cash it. And we had like, you know, the envelope folio, the Dave Ramsey thing where you stick cash in each thing. Like this is, why don't you, why don't you actually explain it? Um, Explain it out a little bit. Explain what? Budgeting in cash. Oh, yeah. So basically this class, first of all, it taught us how to like talk to each other about money because we came from very different perspectives. Um, and that's like, that was massively helpful, honestly. Um, and then, so basically the idea is you chunk up your like every single thing you spend money on in a month, right? So you have rent or mortgage groceries gas utilities clothing any like extra you know if we had like a christmas fund i had a tattoo fund for a long time bikes right we had a bike fund for just like putting trying to save up so when we needed parts for our mountain bikes and things like that um vacation fund so doctor fund and then like also we we had a a baby fund so we actually like so every two weeks we would cash our paycheck and split it up into these categories 
that we like allotted for each amount, right? Obviously the biggest is going to be rent and then food. We were spending like an insane amount of money on food every month. So we like saved up, right? And we would like, once we had like, let's say $4,000 in vacation, we would go on vacation. So we weren't acquiring more debt in the process of trying to pay off the debt, right? Like we budgeted and lived on what we had. So when we had our son, um, we actually handed to my midwife, like a huge wad of just like cash (laughs) (laughs) because we had saved up before we even started trying to get pregnant. We made sure we had $10,000 set aside in cash. Maybe that's silly to have like under your, you know, bed or whatever. We, I mean, we had a safe, we still do, but, um, (laughs) anyone, I would hope you had a safe (laughs) technique and it actually really helped us. And then Eventually, we took it to the cop to the business, and we just kind of said, "Okay, every month this amount is going towards our debts, and then anything left, we would look at like, okay, who, you know, who needs a raise? How can we put this back towards our people, right?" And then we also started a savings fund for all, uh, like we opened another savings account for the business, and it was just all for like equipment or emergencies. And so we would just funnel money and set it aside so that we knew it was there when we needed it. And then we would look at it and go, hey, nothing's come up. Maybe we just like put a little bit more towards our debt. Yeah. And I don't know how long it took us to pay off the business loan. I want to say like maybe three years. I was going to say, I think it was about three years. Yeah, it was like three years and then we were debt free, which is pretty amazing. (laughs) And we were also making... Um, like Taylor and I were each making like $60,000 a year at one point. So yeah, it, you know, it, like we were making, personally, we were being paid really well. And then also we were able to like pay off that debt. So that was really cool. Yeah, that is really, really cool. So during the time that Sage and Taylor were doing all of this, uh, paying off debt and organizing their life into envelopes, I, I personally was not at the point of being able to even be accountable for my money. So I was, and that's, you know, I think paying off debt, step one is to look yourself in the face and say, I need to be held accountable for this debt and for my money and I need to get my shit together. So I was still in college and finishing my engineering degree when Sage was doing all of this and when Asher was born. And it wasn't until I had to start paying off my student loans that I realized I had a serious issue. I didn't understand where my money was going each month. I had all of a sudden overnight gone from making like 20K a year to 70. And I I still didn't have money in my savings account. I was still living like paycheck to paycheck. And I didn't understand where my money was going. And a lot of it was that I was raised very much as a spender, which meant that the more money coming in, the more I thought I, I deserved things is the best way to say it. So. I work hard. I have a big paycheck coming in. I, I deserve Botox. I deserve <laughs> Botox. Botox is $500, you guys. It minimum. Is? Yes, $500 minimum. So this is the kind of shit I was spending my money on. And by the way, I'm not hating on Botox. I say go do it, you know, but uh, maybe understand your finances before you just like start putting your, your dollars into your face. You know, I had this this idea that my money was my money and my finances was my own business, even though I was in a partnership with Matt. 
And so we kept everything separate. He had his accounts and I had mine. And we we had a, a one joint account that was only used for paying off bills. And other than that, everything was kept separate. Until I saw the amount of flexibility Sage had in her life with no debt. So I watched my sister pay off all her debt, sell a coffee shop debt-free, um, have a child relatively stress-free because she had a fund that was fully funded in order to have a baby. And then they packed up and they moved to California and it was all done without any sort of financial stress on them. And I got a little bit envious of that. So I wanted the same thing. And at the time, so Matt had just started his engineering career. I started mine in, um, in medical devices and we had $98,000 worth of debt between the two of us. All of it, well, I would say not all of it, but I would say over 75% of it had interest on it. The 25K that didn't was all family debt, and that has its own interest on it. (laughs) (laughs) And I just sort of felt this crushing weight. I think debt creates this crushing weight on your life in which you feel like none of none of your stuff is yours Hmm. and you owe somebody all the time. You owe them for what you have. And that is not a great feeling. Hmm. Um, I don't know. Is that how you feel about debt? Yeah, absolutely. And look like being raised in the United States, consumerism is it. It's the hot ticket. You know, you get on Instagram and you're targeted with all these ads. It's so easy to spend hundreds of dollars without realizing where the fuck it's going like it just dissipates before your eyes and so for for me personally I watched Sage go through this journey and I thought if Sage can do it I can do it you know that's it's very inspirational so we talked to Sage and Taylor about how they strategized and paid off their debt because I have never understood how people live on a budget because I don't I never understood how to make one that worked for me Hmm. I don't know if you feel the same way, Sage. Yeah. I mean, I the, the very word budget, like, it's like the most unsexy word there is in English language. <laughs> I'm like, oh, well, that just means no one's having sex for, like, the next few weeks. My God. I mean, that's, like, it's the worst. I, I, I hate the word budget. I hate budgeting. I do. Well, I think the thing that, that gets me about the word budget is it feels like it's synonymous with poverty. Hmm. Um, which is not true. It's really not true. But in, in, in the United States, I think budgeting is such a frowned upon thing, because we're the land of wealth, right? And the land Mm. of opportunity. And so when people say that they're restricting what they're spending, it's kind of like, ooh, (laughs) yuck. Yeah, it was time to sort of join forces. And we sat down and we spent I'm not kidding you, like four hours, we split a bottle of wine, we had dinner, and we took We opened a spreadsheet and we wrote down everything we had spent in a year. So we went through all of our accounts, like painstakingly uh, together. And it was so hard for me because Matt would be like, well, what is this charge of $500 here? And I'd have to be like, oh, fuck, that's my Botox. Like, (laughs) I didn't want to tell him. And he was like, look, like, if we're going to do this, we need to be honest about how much we're spending. It's fine if you want to get that done, but we need to put it into the budget. Hmm. which is like the sweetest thing but like you know 
you feel kind of guilty. So you're like, oh, no, I don't need it. I don't need it. Um, <laughs> it's fine. I don't need to get my nails done every month for $60. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. But because we did that together, you couldn't hide from what you were spending. And you pr- we pretty quickly identified areas in our life that we could we could t- taper back and where we didn't realize we were spending thousands of dollars a year. Clothing, I think, was like the number one that stood out to us. Because mm. we would like go to, you know, the clothing store and we'd spend like $200 in the blink of an eye. And it was like, for what? It wasn't for something we really wanted. It was just like, that's what we went and did sometimes. That accountability helped on its own. Uh, But we built a spreadsheet that for the first month basically didn't take anything away from what we were already spending. And everything you bought, you put into the spreadsheet and then, um, you know, it it has a graph. It's really cool. Actually, Matt designed it. It's really cool because it like turns red when you go over and it's green when you go positive and stay positive. And then it has like a pie chart to show you what your, all your income's going to. And then it carries over from month to month. So like, if you want clothes, it's cool. You have $200 a month. And if you want to save up for something big, you just let it carry over, carry over and carry over. And then if things get really out of control, like if you, if we're really overspending in a category, we reassess that category and see like if we need to add more money to it and where we can take it from, maybe a category that's always in the green. And if there's a category on the, always in the green, sometimes we slash that category and we'll add it into like a sinking fund for things like travel, saving for a house, whatever. Hmm. And that really helped us get it together. So we lived off my paycheck. My paycheck went only to bills and Matt's paycheck went only to debt. And so we did, yeah, we did all of that. We did the budget. And then in tandem with the budget, we sat down and we, oh, it was the worst day of my life. We listed out all of the loans that we had, student loans, family loans, car loans. We organized them based off um, how high the interest rate was on them. Ooh. Yeah. And when you organize your student loans and you think you have like maybe 30K worth and you organize it all out with your partner and you end up with $100,000 worth of debt, it's a soul crushing feeling because you know that if you gave 100% of your paycheck for a year, it would not be done. Jeez. That's how much they own you. And that's, it's the design of at least the American economics to hold you hostage to these companies forever. That's the design. Like they want your money. Yeah. And, and it's it's super easy to get a student loan in the United States. I don't know. I can't speak for Australia. Yeah, um, they have um, hex debt and it's hmm. it's a lower interest rate, but it's pretty easy for them to get as well. I mean, it's insane that such young people can get into that kind of situation because that could take you. You were fortunate, right, to have a partner that you guys could work together and you both had higher paying jobs that really helped your situation quickly. But, you know, what if you were a single mom, yeah. for example, like trying to pay that off? That's, that's gnarly. Like, yeah, I think it's totally doable for single income households to pay off debt, but it's a lot slower of a burn. Mm-hmm. And that's hard. Um, one thing that really helped me was having it graphically shown to me. So every time I paid off debt, like the bar graph went down. Yeah. 
And, and for me, that was very, very helpful because I really like instant gratification. And that was instantly gratifying to see like that a chunk of money had been paid off and given back. I remember you guys paying that off so fast. Well, it was a year, right? Yeah, it was a year. Yeah, um, yeah it took a, a year to pay off $100,000. And I'll say that, look, look, we're really fortunate in the fact that like we are both very well-paid individuals. A, a nice extra chunk of money that went into debt. Once we were debt-free, we were like, okay, well, now we can start saving for things we actually want to do and go travel and you know, save for different things. But it's really quite a daunting task to have to pay off your debt and start living debt free. It is. First of all, I just want to say, it was really cool to watch you guys do that and to pay it off so quickly. Like I've never seen two more driven people in my life. Like it was so intense. Um, But I mean, it was just amazing. And it actually inspired me to budget better and to like look at Taylor and I's finances more and to try to be like even more involved than I already was at that point. And so it's just been like a really cool process because even though we paid off our debt and then that inspired you guys, like watching you guys do it, I was like, ooh, we need to go back and like look at this more. Um, so it was really cool. Yeah. And I think one big thing <clears throat> being a, a female is that talking about finances is very faux pas. No one really feels comfortable being like, ah look, I make over $100,000 a year. And that's how I did this. And no one's ever really comfortable putting numbers to anything. And, and it's really, really, really like faux pas to talk about money. Right? Yeah. Like, you don't just run around saying like, I'm in debt. Yeah. <laughs> Help me. Right. And I, that's why I don't like Dave Ramsey. Personally, I think mm. that he doesn't represent a very compassionate individual. Like, I think he tries the fear mongering technique. And I don't like that. Like, I understand people go into debt, but they should not be made ashamed. Hmm. Because it's, it's the way that the economy is freaking designed. Like, yeah, I'm sorry, but that's the way it's designed. And you shouldn't feel like totally shameful. If you carry debt, it fucking happens. It happens to us all. And it's designed so that you don't ever get out of it because they want to hold you hostage. Totally. And I'm here to tell you that, like, you can fucking do it. Like, it takes a lot of accountability to yourself and allow yourself to fail. Because let me tell you something. We have a spreadsheet that has the failures that we had on there. Like, shit, in December, we went over by $1,000 in our budget. (laughs) So that meant we had to pull $1,000 and pay off the $1,000 we owed our own budget. Yeah. (laughs) And I do think this is a good a good segue into me saying that since selling our business, Taylor and I have really struggled to have the kind of income we did as business owners. So we went from making like 120k a year to making like 40k, and that's combined, bitches. Like that's crazy. <laughs> like we we do we struggle, right? Like we're at a point in our life where we are really trying to not live paycheck to paycheck and a few months ago we our budget was we had like an extra three hundred dollars at the end of the month and i i kid you not like i was like i like teared up and then we were like cheering um so that's you know like it goes both ways right like it's it's an incredible tool that can be used but you also just like you don't want to like you were saying like you don't want to abuse yourself with it right like you don't want to get into a mindset of like scarcity living where you're just like 
I'm never going to go to college. I'm never going to take out any kind of debt or loans. Like, that's not what we're saying. We're just saying, like, know what the fuck you're getting into and educate yourself so that you have the tools to get out of it when you need to. Yeah, that's exactly key is is the education behind it. And then if you can find a support group and if you can't, you already have two, Sage yeah. and I, we will cheer you on, help you through it. We can sit down. I'll, I'll send you my fucking spreadsheet. I don't care. If you want to see the numbers and you want to see how Matt and I do it, happy to share that with you. But, you know, it's really tricky and it's designed to make you fail. The world is designed to make you fail out of this one, but it is possible to do it. I mean, I think like the the biggest thing is just whenever you're faced with, right, like, do I take out these student loans? Do I take out the business loan? Do I have a, you know, do I buy this house and have a mortgage Having a good base of budgeting and have, you know, especially if you're in a partnership with somebody, having like those open conversations is so key because you never want to get yourself in a situation where you just, you don't know how you got there. Um, Like that is the number one reason Taylor and I still have not bought a home. It's not only because our income is like a complete shit show, but it also, (laughs) it's also because I just, I don't feel good about having a mortgage in this kind of economy that we're experiencing right now, especially. It's, again, I'm not going to speak for Australia, but it's what, like housing prices are crazy inflated, like inflation's insane, interest is crazy. Like, so yeah, just like never, like this is just to try to get you thinking about how you can not be in that situation. Yeah, like I would say if I had to start all over again and sit down with $100,000 in debt again, I would say step one is to sit down and figure out how much I'm spending in a year. And I know that's a shit thing to say, but it's really important to understand where your money is going. Then the second step would be understanding what is non-negotiable for you and your lifestyle. If you have a book club once a month and you have to buy a $50 book for it, and that brings you the most joy in the world, do not cut that out. Like Hmm. budgeting should not suck the joy from your life. It's not designed to do that. It's just simply a tool to help you control your own financial flux- fluctuation, basically, and help you achieve your goals. The third is to understand your debt, if you have any, and how, how that sort of lays out in a fiscal kind of way and what makes sense for you to pay off it. If it makes sense for you to pay off the smallest debt first, because that feels really fucking good to pay off a $100 debt first, and then move on to the $200 debt and the $300 debt. That's awesome. Go do it. If it makes the most sense to pay off the highest interest first, even if it's $7,000 and it takes you three months <laughs> to see any sort of like return on that, that initial um, thought process, then, then do it that way. Or if you need to try both methods to see what works for you, do it. You know, the fourth, am I on three or four? Anyways, the next step... <laughs> Is once you have successfully paid off your debt, if you can hold yourself continually accountable for the way that you've set up your lifestyle, that money can then go to anything you, your heart desires. You can go travel, you can start a business. And I'm not saying to don't put your dreams on hold in fear of having debt, but understand what debt means to you and how there are tools available to get out from under it. Just to be clear about what debt is, because I think it's a really interesting concept, especially in the American mindset. So I was bartending at my most recent job, and I actually had my spreadsheet on my phone, and I was going through my budget. At work? 
at work. Because it was slow, right? Nothing was going on, and I was just feeling stressed, and I needed to, like, look at it. And my boss came around the corner, and he was he's the owner, right? And he's like, what are you looking at? And I was like, oh, just my budget for the month, you know? Like, it's a shit show. And, you know, it's like I'm not too stressed because we're debt-free, and so we're just, you know, figuring it out. And, and he's like, well, so am I. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, you have the business. And, and like, I knew for a fact he had taken – you know, like loans out for the business. And I was like, well, what about the business? It's like, that's an investment. And I was like, oh, I was like, well, what about your house that you just bought? And he was like, well, that's an investment too. And I was just like, I like didn't push it, but I did walk away just thinking like, what the hell? Like, isn't a mortgage debt? Like, isn't you have like multiple lines of credit for your business? That's still debt. Like, it's not an investment yet. The investment is when you sell that bitch debt free and walk away like I was just like no like you don't understand like I'm like debt free like (laughs) like, there's no debt like I don't write a check to anyone at the end of the month you know what I mean like just rent yeah I do think the housing situation is interesting because buying a house is an investment and it is debt right and it's really hard because it's so inflated and it's such a pipe dream for a lot of us and it still is, it's still a, like, like any investment, it's still risky, right? Yeah, like you can still buy a house and not be able to turn around and that is the reality. And I think a lot of people forget that that's, that can happen. So um, personally, we, we don't have any, any real like solid investments beyond the stock market. Yeah. So that, that was kind of like my wrapping up question for you and myself is once you are out of debt and let's say you've like built up you know let's say you have like a thousand dollars a couple thousand dollars what if you find yourself like suddenly sitting on like extra money and you're thinking what do I do with this money yeah and what a great podcast for next time where we dive into how we learned what the fuck you do with your excess money (laughs) yeah so next time we're going to talk about investment strategy and again preface this by saying we're not financial advisors everything we've learned has been self-taught and I believe that the stock market is really they do a lot of gatekeeping uh for reg from from like normal people it's really not complicated thanks to girls that invest which is the best podcast and maybe the whole world definitely we'll add a link in the show notes yeah seriously like it's an easy thing to understand once once it's broken down for you but it took, it was very intimidating for me to learn how to invest. Yeah. So that's kind of just our story about how we each got ourselves out into debt and out of debt. Um, and we believe that, you know, the same is absolutely possible for you, no matter your gender, no matter your job, no matter your life situation. So cool. All right. All right. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye.